I got everything on microphone. We're ready to rock. I feel right. good. Now we're good. Kevin, sorry you don't have a microphone. I, I mean, I played myself. You're going to sound... I guess I guess I'll be the one that sounds crisp and everyone else will sound like shit. Because that's what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, right. Do I not sound yeah. good? Am I, do I sound bad? No, you just sound well, like you're on Zoom. It's just your voice, Kevin. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get it in post. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll make you sound good in post. Yeah. Uh, you have to wear the Hamburglar though the entire time that you are. Uh, oh, yeah, playing, for sure. Right? That's why. That's why I put it on. Yeah, no, no, it's great. Do you guys do Halloween? Is that a thing in uh, in Sweden uh, or not really? I mean, it's coming. All the kids are doing it, of course. So now yeah. we have to give give candy to to spoiled kids like twice a year or three <laughs> times a year or whatever. What uh, three times a year? Three well, what? Christmas. Christmas, they get a lot of candy, and then Easter, of course. So, oh, okay. got it. Got but it, got uh, it, got it. I mean, we don't really—I don't think we do a lot of Halloween. But there are some friends who do Halloween parties, so sometimes we get invited. Mm. Sometimes I mean, we don't get invited, and then we sit at home and cry. Yeah. <laughs> when we got were got kids, it. it wasn't a thing here, so we were just um, angry about that. We were like, yeah, you know, yeah. refused to participate <laughs> <laughs> because. Yeah. We didn't get cameras. In cells, in cells with outfits. That's what we were. <laughs> not invited. So that's well, what you dressed up as today? Yeah, yeah that's exactly. why you guys are. <laughs> yeah. And we love your costumes. <laughs> Three, two, one. Kevin. What's up? <laughs> you notice I didn't have a stand, so I had to put my mic down to clap. Yeah, I, you could have brought that's a stand up. That's professional podcasting for you. I'm a fucking pro now. Yeah, this is. I, I got this is your done. first. This is your first one when you're uh, doing the handheld. Yeah, I feel good with the handheld. Um, when I do speaking engagements, I prefer to have a mic. It makes me feel like I'm a comedian or I'm a, like okay. the, the comedy seller. And so I think being on a microphone like this feels good. All right. Well, it looks. How good. was your Halloween? How was it was good. It was good. I went to uh, went to this event in Brooklyn called the Bike Kill. It's in Red Hook every year. Um, I went last, last year, year, right? Yeah, I might have talked about it last year. Well, I did talk about it last year, but uh, it's basically big freak show. Um, a lot of a lot of built bikes. Um, you kind of ride them around in a circle for a little bit, and then uh, the there was some tall bike jousting. So, like, imagine a, a bike two frames high. And uh, they ride at each other, surrounded by a large group of people, um, with some PVC and a Hulk hand taped to the joust side. And they ride at each other and fucking joust, and it was a great time. And then uh, it looked pretty dangerous. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. People falling from extreme heights. Oh yeah, I mean um, somebody. I mean I didn't see anybody get like actually fucked up, but you know, there's some there's some hard falls. Uh, Kevin, the real reason why I wanted to bring up Halloween, because we have important guests today, so I don't want to spend too much time talking about Halloween, but I really want to talk about something that happened to me on set on Saturday night. Maybe it's maybe it was Sunday night. So I go I go on TikTok and for some reason I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling and I clicked on a uh, the there's a thing on TikTok where it's like the things that's just the natural algorithm and then the thing that's like the people that you follow. And I never really clicked the thing that you follow, um, but I did for some reason. And then I, I started scrolling, I was scrolling, and then I see Kevin. Um, 
and 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 Freddie and Eric are our guests, and so they're here listening to the story. And I, I just want to paint a picture for this. This is a TikTok. So Kevin starts this TikTok by saying, "Hello, welcome to Home Depot." He's wearing a Home Depot apron. If you're not familiar with Home Depot, it's like a, a hardware store in in America. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Is there anything I can help you with?" And he says, "Oh, you want me to measure that for you?" He turns around. He's got nothing on but chaps and uh, a lady's undergarments in uh, pink, maybe uh, fuchsia. They're yep. they're quite um, not exactly a thong, but close thong thong ish. Panties, panties, definite panties. Um, and then he bends over. He turns around and fully bends over while his measuring uh, stick is out, and he proceeds to measure. And he says, "Oh, here you go." And then the TikTok is over. I listen. I've, I, I've, I've Kevin and I have been uh, colleagues, also, coworkers. There, there was no friends. hole. No hole. You couldn't see any hole. <laughs> there, was no, there was no hole. Yeah. yeah there Thank was you hole. for that information. Yeah. Yeah. There was. That, <laughs> thanks for clarifying, Kevin. Um, no. Pretty hole. sure. Pretty sure there was no hole. But when I say that, <laughs> since I've seen this video, I have not been able to. It is imprinted in my brain. Like I cannot not see it. I just, and every, like I, I'm trying desperately. It's like a song that like you just have heard a million times. You just can't get out of your head. So Kevin, what do I do every now? I just, I'm constantly thinking about you bending over in pink uh, panties. I don't know what you do. Um, to be honest. This, yeah. maybe we've crossed some uh, threshold as, you know, in the workplace environment that we can't go back from, but maybe we just lean in. Um, I mean, I think, I think our guests can, can, yeah, I mean, it. just, you know, <laughs> and, and to be honest, I think they can appreciate it. I think that's really something that, because uh, of, of all the guests that we've maybe have ever had, I think that the, the, the shenanigans and the sort of uh, the, 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 the situation that has happened here, I think this is just a, this is, this is, um, this is the perfect, this is what we call synergy in the business. And so uh, today our guests are Frederick Ost and Eric Cockham, um, co-founders and branding experts at SNASK. Did I uh, get your names uh, wrong there? Or is that? Um... Depends on who you ask. We're asking you. Eric's surname was very good. Oh yeah, yeah. Cockum is that? Mm. That's 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 yes. the right pronunciation. Um, Every so, time we're uh, we're in the U.S. and we check into a hotel, <laughs> uh, I check in first, and it's like, oh, what's your name, Freddie Ost? Okay, cool. And then I stand and smile and wait, and then they they pronounce <laughs> uh, Mister Cockum. I have a wait. I I play a waiting game. They're always like, mm -hmm, and you're Mister, and then I'm like, uh huh, yeah, Eric. And then I just wait, <laughs> and then we stare at each other to see who. Who needs to say it first? You know, it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it probably is awkward every time for that person that just has to uh, has yeah, to say it. Yeah, and it's yeah. yeah I didn't, it's, you know, it's, it's my name. It's it's, it's pretty. It's exactly. Uh, for those people who aren't familiar with Snask, they're an incredible creative agency. They kind of do everything from branding to design to film. Uh, we're going to talk a bunch about their work and kind of uh, their experience and. Uh, how they've been doing this for now 14 years is that is that how long you guys have been in business so freddie apparently was adopted from south korea and raised in north sweden after being found outside a police station true story there it's it was true until i was 30 
35, Jesus, I'm old, 35. And I realized that I Googled adopted children from South Korea to Sweden. And I realized that found outside a police station is one of four uh, stories that they lied to you about. Uh, so actually, <laughs> they actually went and collected children in homes. And, and sometimes the moms knew, sometimes they didn't. Uh, so I'm not, I, I think it's a lie. Uh, but it's still a good, a good, good story. You, yeah. Are you saying that you got kidnapped more or less? Like yeah. someone stole you from your parents? Uh, it's more that I needed surgery. And I think that my parents, even though my father was a prince and my mom was a photo model, they were mm. kind of broke at the moment, at the moment. So then they had to lead me to the hospital. And then this adoption agency paid for the operation and stole me that way. Well, that's a hell of an origin Fair story. Enough. Mm. Yeah, that's incredible. I do like the idea, though, that like there probably are people that just um, and then this is going to sound incredibly dark, but they they can't handle their children. So it's like they don't want to they can't be parents. And so they don't have any other idea but to just leave them at the police station. I wonder how often that happens and if that happens, what they I guess what they do with it, but that's that that that's too serious of a topic, Eric. Um, so Eric, <laughs> you could you could leave them at the Home Depot, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean a police station or a Home Depot. Um, so uh, Eric is your co-founder, and he is a confused and misunderstood misfit. I'm just reading your bios. Um, I, this is not what I think about you. <laughs> Um, hmm. A confused and misunderstood misfit genius who believes the feeling of freedom and allowing of making mistakes is the key to creativity. Eric, do you make a lot of mistakes? Is that something that you uh, you pride yourself in? Is yeah, that, that, uh... that's why we wrote that because there's so many mistakes. So we need to explain <laughs> that somehow. <laughs> we need to have a, like... an argument for all these mistakes happening all the time. So, yeah, no, but uh, yeah, I do believe in that. It is the, um, the only way to try things. Well, um, it's I mean, yeah. Again, if if you set if you set the bar like low and you say, yeah. "Listen, we like making mistakes is the key to our success." Then you can't have a client that's like, "Hey, guys, there's so many mistakes in this file or this thing that you sent us." That you're like, "No, that's purposeful. That's our that's our secret sauce." Yeah, I this need is to get great. on this train. I need to get out get out ahead of my mistakes like that. Like that's right. No, but they, I think it's a little bit like that. That maybe this is something you know. You if you start doing something, and then after a few years, you become smarter, and then you look back at all the failure, and you're like, "Damn it! I need to explain this somehow, uh, or we need to come up. Can we tell a good story around all of this?" And then we were like, yeah. "All these mistakes. Maybe they were yeah. a really good strategy." And then we, you know, we started to embrace that, and now we live by it. Also, yeah. I think that we are immune to knowledge and kind of born in, in, in imbeciles. Uh, so to us, uh, our mother and fathers told us like uh, lots of wisdom. Uh, and we, of course, never listened to it, but had to do the mistakes mm. ourselves. And then when we we're like 30 or 40, we we're like, damn, this, this is a good insight. And then we realized someone said this before. Yeah, at 18. Don't drink too much. Um, don't seek the kick in life. And then we, the only thing we did was seeking the kick in life until we got too old. And then we realized, wait a minute, someone said this. So, yeah. Well, it's obviously working for you guys because um, I've been aware of your studio for quite a long time. And uh, I've been a fan and I've been following. And I think it, it, it's something so, uh, it's so dynamic in the way that it's, it's, it's so playful, but then it's also so, 
uh, executed at such a high level across so many different mediums that you guys work in. And I think um, as a as a creative person and now a, <clears throat> a studio owner and, and having my own business now for a couple of years, it is I'm just so impressed. But I I say this to people all the time. I'm like, um, I I'm impressed by anyone who does anything for 15 years. Like you could have any business and any and any category in any walk of life. Like to be a business owner and to make you know sort of not work for anyone else and to employ other people and to have a business that other people give money to in response, you know, is it, it, just is is impressive to me. And I think what you guys have done is 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 absolutely incredible. So welcome to the show. This is well, uh, this is this is the thank intro. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank and, I you. mean, you thank you run a great studio and you've always done great work, Alex. And Kevin, we don't know more than your Home Depot thing, but <laughs> looks good. That, looks good. You that for fifteen years. Uh, we'll yeah. be very impressed. Yeah, fifteen years. <laughs> Kevin's in the mistake part of his career. You know, the, like you said, the early part where all you do is make mistakes. So Kevin's firmly in that part, right, Kevin? Yeah, I fucking love making mistakes. It's great. It's just uh, I call it the highway to learning. An immersive experience yeah. for sure. <laughs> so you guys have been in business now. 14 years is next year 15 or is this year 15 or this how year, are you this year yeah. so you guys seem yeah. like a, a crew that like you uh seem like types to to celebrate that kind of milestone fairly correctly what do you have anything planned what do you what are you thinking we we actually had a, a very big very very big and very expensive party uh on the 16th of september uh okay. in stockholm and uh, we managed to almost not invite anyone from the industry uh, and almost no clients. Uh, and everyone who was there, who was from the industry, they were like, I have never been to an agency party where I don't know anyone from the industry. And in the end, we were like, we never had a big epic 10-year party. If we're going to have a 15 party and it's going to be expensive, we want our best friends there. And basically, that's what it became. So it just became a 300 people best friends party. Uh, and somehow, our best friends have always been part of snusk so it wasn't like that strange for us sound incredible where where was it was it at a like um restaurant bar boat like what, what house like what type of party did you guys where was this uh no but it was like in a uh, bomb shelter uh, yeah bomb shelter thank you i was like <laughs> yeah it was in a bomb shelter oh no way <laughs> um That's... so it was very safe and that was yeah. good uh and uh, no but like for say i think it's like for us it's been like the community is the thing like i mean we were so young when we started doing this and then then like you just want friends you just want you know people to have a have a fun social life and so on and then maybe create something uh amazing at the same time so i think that's that like set the foundation where it's so much about like yeah the people that we do it with and so on. So we really wanted to you know celebrate these years a little bit looking backwards to like to all the people that's been with us on the journey and and celebrate with them and uh, also a funny thing is like we're known to be like we all we always get to hear that we're this like party agency but this was like probably the first official party we ever thrown. Like we always been, you know, <laughs> it's just like, it's very like, um, whatever, like unofficial, a little off the work there or something going on. But like, 
we've been yeah. really bad at like hosting these like agency parties or whatever it is. Um, so it was fun to actually try to do that this time. How'd you guys get the reputation for being the partiers? Do you like to party? No clue. Yeah, I don't, we always don't remember. I don't remember beer, alcohol, <laughs> and, and we always go to bed early, so we don't yeah. know. Maybe we made some mistakes along the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't touch the stuff either. So yeah, no, neither. Um, and I think uh, again, and I think it it's funny because I think at seeing your work and and you guys are right, like you guys have such a sort of strong point of view and it seems like you guys have so much fun in what you make, but you do take the work very seriously. Like I do think what you guys make is really important to you guys. And so how do you kind of balance the sort of like craftsmanship and the details and like when you, you know, sort of, um, I, I know you have a lot of side projects. So how do you balance kind of like the side projects and sort of the, like the real client projects and like sort of, um, I would imagine there's like business Freddie and then there's like the sort of the you know not so business freddy like like I how, miss how does, business i want to make business freddy what, <laughs> what has it been all my life uh, maybe that uh, person doesn't exist maybe it's eric is is eric the business who who is the um who's who is the um straight to business like hey we gotta get our shit together like we got we got deadlines we got these clients and like who who who's the are, are these other alternative versions of yourselves or is it like someone else that just kind of helps make it all happen I think we've been like role playing that a little bit back and forward. You know, like with uh, us and other we people that have been uh, that we've been working with. That like I don't think it's been like one person always having that same role. We're been a bit too alike, I think, in our way that we we are very like passionate with what we do. So uh, it's hard for one to just like let go of that side because the discussion is often about them. Oh, if it's deadlines and stuff like, you know, it's more like one or, or focus point here. Like, is it to make this, like push this project further? Like, you know, uh, straight like argument, arguing with the client or internally about what we're doing or so, or is it just like letting go and deliver or whatever, you know, like move on to the next one. and. That's always been like hard for us because we we care so much about what we do, like you also mentioned a bit. And so I think it's been a little bit like if you feel that someone is like doing taking one role, then maybe the other one is but trying to balancing it a little bit. And that's where mixed who it is. Yeah. And also I think that for first five years we were suffering from imposter syndrome like most others and thought like holy shit soon someone's gonna call our bluff realizing we don't know anything for sure and then after all we realized that no one knows anything in our industry and at least the client uh so everyone just sits and bullshits in meetings trying to act like grown up and shit and i think now we're like i mean 15 years now we're at the level uh that we treat clients more like pets and friends and whatever <laughs> and we can make fun fun of them in meetings and it's fine and we were at the like production in new york with big client and we went out for a dinner on pre-production week and we went i ended up having her pig riding me out of a bar I remember that was one time <laughs> then we started realizing that these like clients are just humans and humans want to have fun and be more relaxed and so i mean today as well uh it's the same thing and like getting clients to laugh and just be human i think something you need to build up the confidence to just be loose 
Yeah, I mean, you touched on two things I think are really important. One, no one has any idea what they're doing. Like, <clears throat> I think that's such an important thing to sort of realize. And I think a lot of young designers often don't understand this concept or they, it, it, I actually had someone this week, I was at a conference and they were just like, yeah, I just feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and I'm just like, that's the, that's the secret. The big secret of the design industry <laughs> yeah. is that none of us know what we're doing. Like we figure it out and we make it up and we're good pr like problem solvers or creative problem solvers. And so if you have problems, we will figure them out somehow, but we don't have a one way of doing anything. And there's like, we don't really have any of this figured out. So it is. And, and I think when young designers hear that from people that they think have it figured out, there's like, Oh my God, this is a fantastic. And especially for you guys, like, you know, 15 years of incredible work and a business that, you know, internationally known, I think you guys have been loud and proud about the fact that you guys are figuring it out. You don't know what you're doing. And I think that's part of your success, right? Like it's part of what makes you guys special is that you don't claim to be like these geniuses of, of, of higher powers that are better than you. It's just like that, that, that sort of relationship, as you talked about having that with your clients being like, Hey, we're, we're in this together. And also we can make fun of each other. We can have fun and uh, treat each other like humans. And I think that's, I, I yeah. think that is something that most people don't, I don't know. There's always this weird relationship between clients. And, and we would be fucking morons, idiots, crazy if we were trying to say that we're better than someone else. So that, I mean, seriously, <laughs> like I'm so fed up with that, that type of thing. I mean, the only thing we could, uh, hang on to a claim is like that we know what snask stands for or something like that. Mm. you know what i mean like that we can be like oh but we believe this and snask believes this or whatever you know but like to say that that's them better than someone else and something that we do i mean fucking that's up to you know yeah everyone used to feel them people would think differently and so yeah that's exactly and we also we also make a lot of mistakes. Tell the clients before we make the bed, and they like, okay, this is what we're gonna sleep in. Or we wrote the book, took us ages to write the book, and then we just finished it off writing in the intro. That yeah, we just threw this together in seventy two hours, and the response was yeah, we can see that from people when they read the book, and we were like, holy <laughs> shit, it took months for us to do it. <laughs> well, I think again, like it's a deeply American thing. And maybe I'm wrong about this, about the sort of like competition of like, we're going to beat you and we're the best or like, you know, kind of this sense of creativity as, 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 as a race to be the best in the world of some sort. And I think like, how much do you think like Sweden and being in Stockholm and being sort of maybe, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you guys are probably quite far away from a lot of the clients that you work with are, because I feel like a lot of them are American-based clients, or am I totally wrong about that? And so how do you guys, like, being far away, do you think that gives you guys an advantage? Because I think it does, probably. I think, well, I don't think maybe it's a distance. I think, though, the Sweden, is, there's two different parts. One thing with Sweden is that we have the music wonder. We have a lot of film and actors. We have a lot of companies, tech companies, Klarna, Spotify, like food, Oatly, whatever, fashion, H&M, etc. And so... Sweden is a small country, so we constantly see people who make it. Normal people who we saw on the street, and then the next day they are like superstars or super entrepreneurs or whatever. So we, I think we there's a thing that you can be almost born and bred into the feeling of anyone can make it. Uh, and that's one thing of it. The other thing is in Sweden, the client is not the king. The, the, the people who are the experts are the king or the queen, and they can 
decide what's good or bad. And when we meet, go to the US, uh, the agencies we work with, they're like, what are you crazy? No, no, the client is always <laughs> right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when we meet the client, they're like, you can't say that to the client. They're always, no, no. We're like, no, no, no. We are the experts. And if they bring us all the way here and pay this shit of money, why do they do that if they know better than us? And then it's a kind of, but it works when we come and say yeah. what we think and the way they buy it. I just think that a lot of a lot of agencies in the US don't dare to try and challenge that. And that's yeah. also Swedenness, I think. Yeah. I think it's sometimes the only problem when we do that is when we have an ad agency in between. If we do more the, mm. the film work or like, you know, and there's an ad agency, an American one with together with a client and then they become that filter and they're so afraid so when yeah. we try to make our points or push push them or get this yeah uh, have our answers on why we're doing things and so on they can be uh yeah they refuse to to uh, to bring them up maybe or we, like you know that yeah so that can happen we, but we actually had 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 a solution for this problem once when we did a production in in the US, a big production, and um, everyone's afraid of the client. And the client, we realized after a while, no matter what we do, no matter the level of quality of each set, etc., the client will always want to change something because he or she has been sent here to have opinions. And if if everything is great, they feel like they don't do their work. So we yeah. started just making the perfect set, and then we would like take a water bowl and just lay it down. And then like, oh, yeah, we're ready to have a look. And then the client comes and then like, well, maybe uh, it looks great and everything, but maybe the, the bottle should like be standing up or something because now it looks like it's running out. And we're like, oh, we mean like like this? And then we put it up and like, yeah, take a new photo. And then like, and this client would be like, yeah, great. And we were like, yeah, you're actually right. That was much better. And then we just started to leave things that was shitty for them to correct. And then it wouldn't correct something that was already perfect because it would be shit, shittier uh, and it worked in that that production it worked like a charm and that's fucking brilliant uh yeah. just breadcrumbing you know laying a little track for them to follow wow just master yeah. masterpiece gaslight them that's what that's yeah. what it is. yeah, yeah. <laughs> unhealthy unhealthy relationship yeah it sounds like you guys have figured out but i do think um you guys have a really great manifesto i recently wrote a manifesto for our studio which um you know still a work in progress but i think you know we have a lot of similar ideas yours are much uh sort of pithier where you have like uh talk with clients like you talk to your family friends and pets which i think what you just described and then also uh just because you wear a black suit doesn't mean you're a goddamn professional like what you're saying is that comes from like a sweden sensibility of like we're here because you guys need us <laughs> not more than we need you how do you find those clients and like how quickly can you sniff out like if they're a good client for snask or maybe not the right client for snask you know when, in, when we started out we that was hard because like we needed to show what we were doing right so the more we could like put the right stuff in our portfolio and show it the more aligned we would be with the clients coming to us but then then it turns out you know when we've been pushing that and also with our attitude and our brand and everything a lot of a lot of them come to us and they think that they are like they want to be we want to be like you and like do your crazy yeah. stuff with you know <laughs> we're like but we are not you and you're not you know and and um, there's definitely many now last year said they sort of just come to us on reputation 
they haven't really looked at what we do that close. They're just like, you're supposed to be special and fun and great, you know. But then when we start looking at their brand and what they want to do, we can quite quickly notice that this is probably not a good match. And and I would say almost every time you get that feeling from the start that it's more like an idea of what it should be than an actual like match, then then it uh, yeah it often doesn't turn out that good. And and definitely that's often the bigger corporations to have so many rules they have so many rules it's just like you can't do shit you know (laughs) and hierarchies and you know they just don't let you so even if they go in with some kind of good ambition it's like impossible to get there almost yeah and i also think that we we use a lot of directness uh in our tone and what we say and honesty uh in order to sniff out if it's a bullshit client or not and doing that you get more and more proficient with that if you say being straightforward uh so it actually ends up that some sometimes we get we talk clients out of having a pitch uh closing down the whole pitch to other agencies and basically just work with us but simply <laughs> because we ask the right questions and we tell them your brand is shit you need to redo yourselves <laughs> or what does this sentence even mean this if you we build everything on this you won't see results anyway because yeah that piece of shit will look better but no one is going to buy it anyway and when you do that other agencies will come across as fake because they just took that that brief and ran with it and like oh that's perfect we'll do what you want a lot of times they don't know what they want right or they yeah they they think they They do but they don't really know and so i think if you're like honest with them and you say hey like this is shit and if you want to just do this little bit like that's also going to be you know only incrementally better what you really need to do is, is something much more drastic and i do think sometimes honesty yeah, there's a lot of bullshit in what we do. And there's just a lot of bullshitters. And I think a lot of people that are selling things that, to be honest, like, aren't really that special or unique and different. And I think what you guys have been doing for 15 years is like, hey, look, the proof is in what we make. And I imagine at this point, you can, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to sort of uh, defend yourselves or really even kind of, uh, you know, pitch too hard on the fact that you guys have been doing this you can show that as 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 proof um and i think that probably helps quite a bit especially when you want to be honest and i think i've realized that as the studio has grown like in the beginning we're like well the fact that any studio or any client or any project went with our studio with you know one person or two people and you know up against as a big agency that had 40 or had a big team it's like I'm shocked that anyone would would have went with us in the very beginning, but at some point you kind of cross that bridge where you're like, okay, cool, like we can do work at this level, and so we do have some experience and we have some um, uh, proof that we are going to do what we say we're going to do. Versus in the beginning when you really are totally making it up, and you probably are going to make a lot of mistakes and maybe not actually be quite as good as maybe another agency, but you have to kind of find a way to get yeah. through that. No, a hundred percent, but also what we've been, we've mentioned this before, but like that they do the same making up. Oh, you know, they, that's does. the thing that they make it up just as much. They come even, they don't know how to, what they want. They don't know their, how to write the brief or they just use these terms and stuff. So it's like, I think it's really something there that like if we could try to be a little bit more transparent with each other from the start, I think that would help a lot. Has being so direct ever backfired for you guys? Or is that kind of like the point is like, if it backfires, it's not a good fit. 
I mean, yeah, sometimes yeah. it backfires. I mean, we've been in pitches where we did pitch, but I used honesty <laughs> and directness in the pitch and be like, yeah, this is uh, this is our solution. And they told us like, oh, you can go back and, and we give it two more weeks. And we're like, no, we're going to come up with the same thing because that's not the problem here. I mean, things we call out all the time, it's like big data. Everyone's like, oh, big data. Oh, it's something we can sell or buy or use for the clients or the clients can use it to measure us, et cetera, et cetera. And we always like, but what are you going to ask? And they're like, oh, we're going to ask people like what they want. Do you think people have <laughs> one single fucking clue what they want? <laughs> no, they don't. And even if they did, you wouldn't do that because you will end up with shitty like songs that people think they want and you won't have freddie mercury writing a six minute long song with three four songers in one called bohemian rhapsody that became one of the world's greatest songs he would never have written it if he would have asked idiots what they wanted but instead he has fuck them they, they're gonna like this and we're gonna make him like it and i think that's for <laughs> a big data is to stop asking people what they want they have no clue so we yeah. would have had blackberries that were flip phones uh, if people got what they wanted but apple wouldn't exist and it was like no one knew they wanted an iphone it's just yeah you're goddamn right <laughs> goddamn right um you just brought something up that i think is really interesting like sweden is 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 so well known for its pop music writers right max martin and all these kind of like you know ace of bass and the whole sort of like lineage of sweden pop music does that like how, how, do you think there's a Swedish like sensibility that understands like what people want or sort of some idea of like this like glo global sort of things that we all sort of uh, can align to or something like that? Like what why is it that like 90% of all the pop songs like Taylor Swift, The Weeknd, like all like all of pop music is written out of this like Swedish style of songwriting, and most of it is by one guy named Max Martin and like his three proteges that are all Swedish pop songs, pop uh, songwriters. I think it's about our bad self esteem that we have because, like, <laughs> we we we're so we're such a small country, you know, and we yeah. we we have of course something that is Swedish or whatever, but like. We look so much at American culture, British culture, you know, and we try to adapt a lot. And we, 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 uh, so we, I think we've been doing that for a very long time, just like learning to sort of dial that in a little bit. And then that with a bit of social, you know, welfare system that you makes musicians being able to put time on music. Uh, you know, we 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 have this even like in Sweden that we talk about like welfare system created our music wonder. You know, we really? we talk about that because like unemployed people could be unemployed and go on tours and stuff because, um, you you know that's the made like refused or these bands if you remember back in the day, like those type of bands were like being able to to they they signed into that system that like program and then they went on a tour or something especially back in the day when it was even a bit more loose um but so, it's also uh, that i mean abba abba wrote so many hit songs and they, yeah. there was less less copying than but then people in sweden felt like oh so if we if we can learn how to write hit songs we can become famous and big or whatever yeah. then max martin and his guys came avich came. I mean, if you listen to how these these people learned they were like 
there's a certain way you can make a pop song. So they started like Avicii started like copying songs he liked and remake them himself, trying to understand how they were built up. And then after he learned how to build it up, he he was then like so good at it that he could like produce other hits for others and himself, for example. And I think also it ties into like, well, if they can do it, I can do it because we're such a small country. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite stories from that is that the Backstreet Boys have no idea what I wanted that way means like it's just a song that just is universally beloved but it What's has it zero meaning like it, I, I want it that way what way like hit. it just yeah. yeah it's just a hit it was a just hit smash hit me baby hit me baby one more time yeah is that one yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. That again max martin it's like <laughs> what does that fucking mean hit me yeah. baby one more time it just doesn't mean anything i want it that way it means nothing um people going gets the people going uh question for you guys in terms of covid because obviously it's been a crazy couple of years here like I've, your studio feels like a studio that has like a culture and a heartbeat that happens inside of a space and so two questions are like how big is the team at this point and like have you guys been mostly remote and sort of how have you um how, how has this like sort of shift of working changed snask if at any Big questions. Um, yeah, no, but we're about we're like ten people, uh, okay. more or less, and we 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 never like we always been around those numbers, like up and down a little bit, depending on projects uh, and and you know what what's going on and and what people we can collaborate with at the time and so on, and then and then we we do we work a lot with more freelancers, so. The uh, same there, we, we expand the team a lot sometimes. Um, but then I think, uh, like, definitely that, like, the, the whole thing with working remotely has uh, did affect us a lot. Like, we used to be in the office every day before, like everyone else was. And we, of course, you could work remotely sometimes, but that was more like the exception when you needed to do something special or whatever. Um, now we have, we work from the office three days a, a week, we try to do and we have one day that's the sort of mandatory day when we have more like weekly meetings and stuff and try so we actually meet a little bit more so it doesn't just get spread out completely um works really well uh i i i mean but it's different to what it used to be i'm i work like or i mean i live super close to the office i'm i'm here a lot almost every day of the week Friday is the opposite you know it's like (laughs) But also, I think it's like everything changed uh, during COVID with uh, conferences. The ones who survived learned to do it digitally. So suddenly you would have a, a talk in front of like hundreds or hundreds of thousands of people where no one would laugh. You would get zero yeah. response. Yeah. You cracked the joke and no, no one laughed. You're like, uh, okay, I'm going to continue here on Zoom. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then it was like uh, also like, all our clients was like it didn't matter if they were in stockholm or tel aviv china us we could do workshops because we learned how to do digital workshop everything digital so today it's very kind of easy because we can work with indian companies or wherever and it's super easy because we just got used to it that way but all the technology was already there this we this just speeded up the the transformation or you know we I don't know how many years, but yeah. many years faster. You 
yeah, I had that thought uh, sort of thinking about you guys because I had read that there was a, <clears throat> a Canadian uh, design studio that mostly did work inside of Canada. But after COVID, they sort of their client list opened up dramatically because American companies, European companies, you know, realized that they didn't need to be <laughs> in the same place as their, uh, you know, as their agencies because of COVID. And I remember I came to your office back in 2016. And at the time, I was at Coca-Cola and I loved your work. And I was like, you know, hey, maybe there's something that we could do together. And ultimately, I remember kind of pitching you guys internally. And I think at the end, they were just like, it's just a little too far away. <laughs> and and I think that was something that um, we experienced even with our West Coast uh, agencies, like because we were based in New York. So it just the time difference and just not being able to go to the office and, you know, check in with those agencies felt like, oh, Sweden, that's like really far away. And so ultimately, I think that was the reason potentially why we didn't work together. But I imagine in a new COVID world, like that shit doesn't matter at all, especially when Coca-Cola, I think, is like 100% remote at this point. Um, we're like you guys. We're mostly back in the studio and I'm live close to the studio. So I'm there almost every day. And then there's some people that are, you know, work out of different countries even or different parts of the world. So they're never there. So it's flexible. And I think it's, I think it's helped our business. I think generally like we're more productive and um, it's been good for us. I just think it's interesting though, to see how this like development goes on, like with the people that work at home so much though, I have a feeling that that will eventually you know, backfire somehow, you know, because it's like, it does get you into this bubble and you don't go out, you don't meet people in the same way. Just meetings, you know, before it was always like, oh, we have a meeting at three o'clock. Uh, let's, you know, come over, have a coffee, maybe chat a little bit, we walk in. I mean, yes, it's not as effective as jumping on the exact second now the meeting starts. And if one person is one minute late, everyone starts texting, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> you know, it's like it, 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 yeah. it's, it's changed. But like, I'm, I'm just saying that that's not all for the better, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Will, People got to be social. Yeah, yeah. Gotta have some Me fun. Too. Fucking relax a bit. Yeah. And the thing yeah. that we love is the part in between the meetings, right? Like when we're not working. And I think that's yeah. like to me, that's like what builds culture. That's what makes this a fun yeah. job. It, it's just about the design and just about the making and just about the briefs and the clients. Like that's part of it. But I think the the other parts are the thing that I always have loved, which is being around other creative people, having conversations about television or movies or music or whatever. That's yeah, not work. playing a song at the office and being like, do you know this? Yeah. You know, whatever it is. Like, yeah, that part does disappear a bit. Now, I, I think like in our case, we still have it a little bit and we, it's just a little bit less. It's like a different way, but like I, I bet, like in other industries and other companies, it's just like what happened with that, you know. <laughs> I think that jokes, I, jokes don't. Go I think through. that it's gonna be, it's gonna no. be, it's gonna be balanced, like you say. It's gonna be like after a while, it's gonna be backlash. It's gonna be something else. At the moment, you see Spotify is fully remote, one hundred percent, and their employment rate is much better. They they keep staff much longer. Uh, people are more happy, et cetera, et cetera. But after a while, as you say, I think that they will see other other sides of it where some things might yeah, be badly, like culture might be harder or making people uh, collaborate, et cetera. But I don't know. I think as with everything, it, it's, it happened, COVID happened. And now we're going into the fully remote. But then I think somehow when people realize like, ah, I think I want to be in the office at least a few days a week, I think that will be fine. Yeah. And just mental health 
I mean, it's also in, like, well, people have so many different, uh, say, situations or con like, where do they live? Do they live with other people? Do they have family? Are they alone? Like, I think it's kind of tough to just put that on people and be like, now we work from home. Good luck. <laughs> it's yeah, it's hard to yeah. it's hard to feel like you're a part of something when you're by yourself yeah. every day. And I, I I talk a lot about this, you know, internally with our team. And it's like again, every every company's different. Every 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 studio, every person is different. So they have to do what's best for them. But for 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 me, it's like I I don't. I don't do well working from home. I'm just too close to my bed or my couch and Netflix and that whole part of my life, which I really think is important to turn off <laughs> all the, the work and design, all the shit that we do during the day. Like I need that space to be a space that's, that's not those things. And so when you start to mix them up, um, it becomes really complicated. Obviously, it's a lot harder in Brooklyn where we all like <laughs> our, our our apartments aren't big enough to really have separate areas. Like if I had an like a workspace office that was like, you know, in my backyard or something, maybe that would be a little bit different. But yeah, I think it's a big topic. And I think people are are are, are still trying to figure it out. But I do think the whole just like, oh, we all work from home now forever, I don't think is going to be the path forward because I do think. Like for mental health reasons, for culture reasons, for a lot of reasons, I do think it's it, it's important to get together. It's we spend so much of our time working to do it just by yourself. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's the path. Like I just don't. It's think also so. interesting that like I mean yes, it was a pandemic that happened that sort of like made this go uh, that we went into this, but like there was also something with most people that were very at least in the start that was so happy with. It. Oh, nice! Yeah, I can yeah. stay at home, and I don't, you know, where did that come from? So something was obviously not right, too. How you know what I mean? Like it, it is something yeah. there with the freedom or the stress uh, that people face every day. That like they were, that, that we were feeling like we could, you know, run away from a little bit. But uh, yeah, the truth well, some, is probably some somewhere. Some people just in don't want to deal with, uh, you know, the the bullshit and the. You know, the time that goes yeah. in and then if you don't work with good individuals like maybe you hate your coworker exactly. and you're like fuck i don't want to go in and see them like they kill my yeah. vibe every day and i mean that's yeah. not me i love going in but there are <laughs> kevin and i were the first <laughs> kevin and i were the first two people back in our office after covid and that's when we started the podcast because we were like hey it's just really the two of us in an office together we might as well um you know do something extracurricular you know something that would be fun um which is yeah, good segue to, to you guys anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about this shit anyway. We might as well have a microphone and yeah. be joined by uh, great people. Um, <laughs> question for you guys. You guys have a lot of side projects. I remember you guys do a lot of speaking engagements and I imagine, you know, obviously COVID affect that, but conferences are slowly coming back. Um, I remember I saw you guys once and you had your band Vag, which um, was sort of like, it, it was spectacular. It was a design conference talk, but it incorporated live music. It was it was as, as crazy and deranged and amazing as you would imagine. And then you guys also have like shower beer. You have like a lot of, you have a book, you have a lot of side projects. So just question out there is sort of like, how do you have time for all this stuff? And like, you know, what, 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 how's the band doing? Is the band, is the band still a thing? Um, and can people buy shower beer? And like, how do you spend time on your clients and then have time for all this amazing other stuff that you guys do on top of it? A metaphor is uh, if you work and you think like, should, can I work more? Can I work evening? Can I work like two, two hours this night? Uh, our answer can be, well, if I do, I then have to train more and I have to sleep more. 
because that's the way you like yeah fall into a good thing these side projects for us is can we do more client projects well then we have to do more our own projects as well because that's what keeps us sane it was keeps us in a positive loop where we don't want to find a rope and go down in the basement when we only do client work because it's it's not only fun and games sometimes most of the times it gets fucked up or something happens etc but when you have your own project you're your own client you can just raise the budget if you want or you can just say yes to everything without having a meeting that's very free it's very like so you become more sane it's like taking a shower or whatever. It feels very good. And then you can, yeah, get into client work again. A question on the client side. Do you have any clients that are just like, I mean, that they want something a little bit less like snasky for, for lack of a better term? Do you have any clients that are just like, hey, we just want like vanilla design, like layout and like um, I, I'm a point of sale or I, I'm trying to think of like very boring, non-snasky type projects that you guys do. Do you have uh, clients email like templates. that? Just, yeah, email templates, digital marketing, social bullshit like that. Yeah, social media stuff. Like, hmm. do you guys do that I don't that know kind of what stuff? this stuff is. I don't know what you're talking about. But, <laughs> no, but of course we do, but we... I, I don't tell anyone about we, it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Just like don't mention. <laughs> no, but like I think we, at, you know, during all the years for sure. And but mainly, I think we still try to do something with them that is more expressive. But then it comes in the package that we will also need to make these other things. Maybe some, you know. So it's a little bit of a mix. That I, I don't think we. If someone contact us, which happens with only that type of request, we we would turn it down. I would say, and and, and also as, what we do. Yeah. yeah, and as we said before, we talk them out of things. Sometimes <laughs> it could be called bullying or gaslighting. Yeah. But I mean, for us, it's like uh, they're like, yeah, but we're not a B two C company, so we're like a B two B, so we have to be very like uh, professional. And you're like, no, that means boring. Uh, and then we ask them like, so you think so someone who sits at work and sees an Airbnb ad will be disgusted. But when they come home to change into sweatpants, to suddenly that ad will seem attractive. They're like, uh, yeah, it's a no, but it doesn't work like that anymore. You used to like for 25, 30 years ago when you put on a suit and your phone call, hello, Ralph. Yes, uh, <laughs> great, B2B. And they would hang up and then they would go and buy whatever on the private time. But now it's like, it's human to human. It's almost like the pandemic. Now we're working remote. It's human to human. People don't respond differently. And suddenly on work, you want nice experiences as well. It doesn't matter if, oh, is this a business hotel? Then I think it should be boring. So like, no, that's yeah. not the case. And yeah. And I think the world is, you know, there's just, not to get too serious here, but like, there's just so much content, right? There's so much out there. And I think the work that you guys do stands out from everything, right? It, 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 it the goal of it, I think in many ways is to make people pay attention, <laughs> or at least that's what it feels like to me. You're just like, we're going to make you care about this, or we're going to put so much of our care and love into everything that it just, it just makes you want to look at it. I think that's what your work does for me. And I imagine like, as this world that we're living in has become so um, <clears throat> confusing or so overwhelming with so much going on from so many people, the more boring, the more straightforward, the more sort of uh, standard advertising, marketing, digital content, like just doesn't 
isn't just gonna yeah, people are just gonna tune it out it's just yeah, gonna just, become blah yeah just flip yeah, yeah, on to the next one on to the next one so i do think what you guys have been doing for so long makes so much sense and i think in a way where you're saying like hey the boring shit isn't gonna work for you guys i imagine 15 years ago people were like well we're not sure we're unclear if we want to be this courageous and like now brands like kevin and i talk about this all the time like brands are horny brands are fucking weird they're like they're 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 in your face they're not afraid and, and it's a reflection of like yeah it's like to stand out in the crowd is you can't just play it safe anymore and i think that probably um it, it's probably a lot easier i know it's not always easy but easier to sell clients on that today versus maybe it was 15 years ago no for sure and i mean back in the days we'd be like oh do you remember this song from mcdonald's and people could sing it today people are like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah. it's like the biggest call to action button is skip ad if we would caught you guys kevin and alex in a room where you're watching a youtube film and skip ad comes up and only you clicks it then you're finished as humans and it's like what's wrong with you guys click that fucking button uh, and i mean that's how people work today you don't want to see an ad if you can skip it uh, yeah and that's the thing you need to to make people like you your brand in other ways and try to persuade them to buy your yeah do it yeah. everywhere yeah you know like <clears throat> no, because it's often like this ad they talk about you know what's an ad is you know that's also just old news like you need to be a brand in everything you do you know and yeah, and, yeah. and it's like uh, i'm naming going, home you know? depot for the fourth fifth time this is a great way for them to pay to get seen right yeah exactly they, they, should be me. they want yeah they should they should be paying kevin um question so as the world kind of like yeah starts to catch on to the fact that like people are just blind to this kind of dumb boring traditional model of like advertising or branding or marketing and that stuff how do you guys continue to like push the boundaries or do you think that you need to kind of like keep elevating because i do think there are a lot of brands that are doing wacky wild sort of more outside of the box thinking um do you guys think about that or you're like okay cool we can't just like you know, it's not enough to just be kind of like well art directed and like offbeat. You have to kind of like push it or like take it to another level of like a, <laughs> insane or out of, you know out of the box. Do you guys like think that way, or is that just like it's just who you are? So that's what you will do. Everything we do is like not based on on data. It's not based on the history or what's measurable already happened, uh, algorithms, whatever AI. It's what we base everything on is trying to have this mindset of change and with change comes vision and, and innovation and risk taking you can never guarantee what's going to happen and trying to look forward all the time into the unknown instead of seeing oh algorithms can do this this is great or ai oh now ai designs no ai doesn't fucking design it's an app in which a user or designer scrolls and scrolls and scrolls and scrolls until they see what they like again and then the AI learns what you like, and it will never again show you anything that is provoking or new to you. It will only show you what it thinks you like, and you're then dead as a fucking person. And that's not a smart AI design. It's like, no, it's like AI looks at what already happened. You want someone crazy, batchy crazy, looking forward in time, like, maybe we should do this. And that's what we like, the change, the constant change in things. Sorry, Eric, what were you going to say? 
I forgot about that now almost. Um, <laughs> it's in the past. Almost a question again. <laughs> no, you're right. Like it is a weird world that we're living in where like some type of creativity can be programmed or sort of automated. And like, I do think people are, are a little worried about that. They're like, oh, well, the, uh, you know, the, the, the robots, they're coming to take our jobs and they're going to fucking make, you know, ads or they're going to make things that are just, you know, they're going to do the things that I can do pretty easily. And I think there is a little bit of concern in the creative industry. You talk to designers, like people are starting to sort of get a little concerned, but I do think, they will never be a computer that can make snask type shit. Like they're just not going to be able to use their fucking, like that's just, that just takes <laughs> uh, like that, that is irreplaceable. And I think in my mind, and I think you have to be thinking in that way, which is like the computers are not going to be able to um, out, out, out creative us. Like you have to have good ideas. You have to have smart people. You have to have interesting new thoughts and bring them <laughs> to the clients because they may be able to execute some things and like computers again like think about designers 20 years ago they would look at our computers and say you guys are fucking you know have <laughs> have it so easy you could just click a couple of fucking buttons and make some shit that looks pretty good yeah. and that's true so in another 30 years we may be able to make some shit that like looks exponentially better than what it is today but it has to start with good ideas. It has to start with good creative uh, sort of uh, rebellion. And it has to start with making sure that shit is um, feels special and makes people want to care. And I, I think it's like one thing with our field um, that is difficult is that uh, same thing there uh, with data and everything. Everything is so accessible, right? So we can see so much what other people do all the time. And, yeah. you know, and it's so easy to find inspiration, inspiration in terms of like, is it inspiration or is it like, give me an idea so I can like sort of do it in the same or like, you know, and it, I mean, how difficult is it to find uh, some images for a mood board in some direction, you know, it's like, it's everywhere now. And, and I think that's the hard part, maybe that we, we we go in that and everyone's mood board starts again looking the same you know and also the clients can also create those now they come and they say hey can you do it this direction this is what we need this is what the data has told us that we should do blah 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 you know so it's like getting a little bit uncomfortable again like getting like out there in the more the art world or like go yeah. and take a hike uh, in the woods to come up with something there instead of like yeah, go you on know, a vision quest. Clicking around. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, or, or yeah, like see some crazy shit. Buy a, a shitty yeah. rock band uh, and name them Vag, and and it's yeah. four guys <laughs> with middle-aged, long hair and beard that plays seventies rock and roll. It's like it's not a good idea. It would never be come <laughs> up. It's not what people want. It's mm -hmm. it's not something an AI would come up with, and it's a shitty idea. But it's fun when you take a shitty idea and, and make it all the way. And it's like here it is. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys? Do you have a new band? Is this a new group called the Viagra Boys? Is this? Uh, is that your group or is that a, a friends or? Because um, friends, friends of Vag, like... friends of Vag are the yeah. Viagra Boys. Yeah. <laughs> What, what do they do? I guess it sounds like it, yeah. But um, no, but they are uh, they're sort of old friends, uh, people that we know, uh, yeah, here from Stockholm, and uh, whose music we think are is amazing. And we we basically 
yeah, helped out making a few music videos and stuff. So it's just been one of those projects again that we love doing. That is not a client project in the classic way that we need to do to, you know, uh, get some more freedom sometimes to express ourselves and so. But they, yeah, it's been super fun and amazing to work with. When you got you're talking about being ten or so people. This is something that I think about a lot right now that I'm, you know, we're about 10 or so people. And I do think there's a, you know, there's a bit, I don't want to say pressure, but there's a sense of like, well, do I want to grow and scale this thing to get to, you know, three offices and two country, you know, countries and get to this like massive level that inquire, you know, requires a huge teams and big clients and a lot of projects. And I think, I am feeling at the moment, again, this is just me, that like that would eliminate some of the fun of being able to take on projects that are maybe not for the money (laughs) and for the passion of it and to do things that generally make me happy as a person. I think they make the team happy. Is this something that you guys think about as as it pertains to like sort of like, you know, keeping it relatively nimble and small so that you can do the... Spotify's and the Klarna's, these are big clients or clients that I imagine have, you know, reasonable budgets, but then also do a Viagra Boys music video that I imagine is 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 much, much, much smaller. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, growth is like this horrible illness that everyone is forced, you know, to like, we need growth. We always need to become more, bigger, richer, whatever it is. Like we no we we don't want to go there like uh but we uh, the only thing that we see is like a number is not that important for us in the way like if we can we could become a few more like for sure if we if we felt that that gave us a stronger better platform to do what you said you know like because it could be i'm sure there's some like magical way there where maybe we get like even more uh, control more safety but then we could do even more of those fun projects because we're stronger somehow as a team you know um but that's not like we take that organically a little bit and what what happens we we look at the situation we try to look at a bit from from the side from above like you know and 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 managing it a little bit week by week yeah and also also growth for i mean growth is often like oh it's successful being successful but being successful means you should leave lead a meaningful life that has nothing to do with being rich uh and then rich has always have to be put side by side with time because people always forget that well if we grow we can get richer and yeah but what happens when you get richer you get like a $10 $10 million you sell your company, and but then someone's going to tell you, well, if you invest them right, you can in four years uh, grow that to $20 million. Oh my God, okay, let's do that. And then you lose four more years, but then you end up with $20 million. And they're like, well, now you're one of the 1% in the world. That means you can make $500 million if you wait for five more years. So suddenly you lost nine years of your best life. But you could have been perfectly happy with that amount of money or whatever and done something else with your life. But people like you, you get stuck. There's never an end of getting richer or growing or being more successful until you like set on your foot and like, okay, I'm happy here. So I think the faster you do that, it's the better. Yeah. Did you guys yeah. experience, did you guys experience a lot of growth when working with the Viagra boys? Is that safe to say? <laughs> 
Yeah. You're a funny guy. You should yeah. work at the Home Depot. A great place <laughs> to buy stuff. Yeah. The... I, I measure. Yeah, I, I measure. Think, uh, I'm the lead growth measurer at Home Depot. <laughs> no, sure are. <laughs> I mean, it was a very long shoot for sure. Yeah, I was just going to say this podcast has been way too serious. Thank you, Kevin. Like, we're actually talking about real things and happiness and success. And yeah, what the fuck are we even doing here? Let's just start over. Ready? Three, two, one. Kevin. Uh, (laughs) No, seriously, guys, um, thank you so much. It's been great to to have you guys on. And uh, I think you guys are living the dream. And I think that is. it's clear. And I think you guys have found the right balance of doing work that makes you guys happy work that is, is, is fun for, for, for others, but also for yourself. And yeah, I think a lot of it is just fucking not trying to be so goddamn successful because that's not going to make you happy all the time. Like doing work that you love and doing with good people and having, you know, enjoying every day, I think is the key. And I think I'm, uh, trying to remind myself that. And I think all designers should try to, I think there's a design like uh, competition mentality that happens where it's like, I got to grow. I got to scale. I got to do more work. I got to do the best work. I got to try to impress everybody. And it's like, I, 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 it took me a long time to figure out that none of that shit fucking matters. And I'm still trying to convince myself that every day being like, fucking like who cares what other people think. And it's not some sort of competition and just having fucking fun is, 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 is the thing that makes. Yeah. A last thing on that, because it's so true what you say, but it's not, sometimes people believe it's easy to do, you know, to not care or like, you know, like, yeah. oh, but you just don't care, you know, but that's the hardest thing there is to do things differently because everyone, all the whole society and everyone else will push you towards the normative way. They will always be like, do it, but do it like this. This is the way to success. This is what success is, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And you, you, it's so easy. We had through these years, some sense we're almost like falling into it because people are pushing it and then we're like whoa whoa wait what were we almost doing here that was crazy let's go back like you know you need to remind yourself you need to fight and give yourself some space sometime to like remember that and you know work yeah. with it for sure yeah but no yeah, I, so I i agree and i think it's that's i appreciate you guys coming on and, and spreading that message because i think it's such an important one and I, as a young designer, like, and I think a lot of young designers feel this pressure of everyone saying the same thing, which is like, you got to go and build this amazing portfolio. And then you got to do these five steps and then you'll become Michael Beirut or you'll become some, you know, top level design master, and then you'll be happy. And it's just like, that's, that's not true at all. And it's like, everyone has their own path. And I, I, I think what you guys are they're saying about success and just like fighting that sort of that, that, that the outside forces that are constantly trying to make you feel like you have to do something to be happy. I, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to break out of. It's hard to turn off that and say, you know what success for me is just loving what I do every day and not like doing it for some outside reason or try to impress other people or all this bullshit that just only social media has also like accelerated that and made that even more sort of, uh, you know, scary. Cause you're like, Oh, I got to post something and then people have to like it and give it comments and share it. And then, you know, it's just, it's just a never ending sort of cycle. But I do think snacks like for you guys, from my perspective, it's like, wow, they are just 
they're doing it for all the they care they do it for the right reasons they do all this amazing work and they also just don't fucking take you know themselves that seriously i think that is a bit of a swedish mentality right where it's like you never get too sort of high on yourself <laughs> and like that's there's like a sense of like ego list where you got to check yourself and i think america we have no fucking sense of that like we love we award shows and fucking like all this sort of it's like in our blood to be like to win the competition to be the greatest whatever you are if it's a fucking sandwich maker or a beauty brand or a fucking you know rock you know rock artist it doesn't matter it's like be the fucking greatest and then as soon as we get you there we're gonna fucking tear you down and rip you down yeah. <laughs> like it's just so bizarre so but yeah. but it is it's it's our air it's like it's like air here and that's kind of i think what you guys and you know again it just it, it is inspiring and i hope it inspires everyone um to go out there and uh just you know fucking do do shit and fuck it up and try not to care what other people think and uh yeah um if you guys want to see more of like snask's work go to snask.com i highly recommend the about snask page because i think it has like a lot of these manifestos that we we're talking about they have a great book and they have a lot of their sort of philosophies and 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 sort of the way uh that they think on their website and so if you're interested in sort of reading more about this it's all it's all there for you and um anything else you guys want to plug or anything you guys want I people have, to I see have a, a last i think that i found out that home depot with their customers is the same as the Republican Party and their voters. Uh, we, you'll be happy even when we show you the, our backs to you. Oh, that's 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 how we should end. Thank you guys yeah. very much. Um, it's been a pleasure, and uh, everyone go watch Kevin's TikTok. Uh, we'll see right. you guys. Thank you guys. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, you so much. Thank you.